Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. I don't like saying this, but the next economic downturn is coming. We're starting to hear about it every day. Well, the Entree Architect Build Your Brand Marketing Workshop is a live online training program developed specifically to help you build a powerful marketing program for your small firm. We'll, we'll guide you step-by-step step to build your brand, fill your sales pipeline, and be fully prepared to thrive during the coming economic recession. Registration for the Entree Architect Build Your Brand Marketing Workshop closes today, Friday, June 28th at midnight, 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time, Enroll now at entrearchitect.com slash build your brand. My name is Mark R. LePage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 277, and this is part three in a series of episodes recorded live from the RCAT booth at the AIA Conference on Architecture in Las Vegas, I teamed up with my friends Evan Troxel and Cormac Phelan of ArcaSpeak Podcast and Lance Psycho of Inside the Firm Podcast, and we sat down for three hours on Friday afternoon and met with some very interesting and inspiring people. It was a nonstop conversation about dozens of topics about what's happening today and what we see for the future of architecture and the architecture profession. We're going to ride this one out right to the end, so it might be a little bit longer than usual. So I hope you enjoy it and learn from some of these amazing people working to make the world a better place. This week at Entree Architect Podcast, live from the AIA Conference on Architecture, part three. 
This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, Gusto, Easy Online Payroll, Benefits, and HR built for the modern small business. RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and so much more. And FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure, spend less time on accounting, and more time doing the work you love. I want to introduce our, our next guest here, who I want to overlap this conversation. Okay. Uh, this is Jared Zern from NCAR. And so uh, you want to just introduce yourself, Jared, and then, uh, and then I'd love to sort of have you get into this conversation here. Uh, well, thank you very much. My name is Jared Zern. I currently am the Vice President of Examination at the National Council of Architectural Registration Boards, which means I oversee the operation and development of the architect registration exam. Uh, prior to joining NCARB, I was a small practitioner, I a sole proprietor in northern Minnesota, and I also taught at a community college. You're the NDSU alum, right? I am an NDSU. All right, go Bison. Yeah, me too. North, I'm that, yeah. North Dakota State North University. Dakota State. I thought so. Yep. Yeah. I was. I was super happy they picked somebody from our alma mater. That makes the most sense. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> really Have you learned? So I, I felt like that was one of the best lessons we've learned so far at F9 was hiring the wrong people. We've hired. I think we hired two of the wrong people, and one we ended up firing, and then one kind of went their own way at the perfect time. It was like, yeah, this isn't working out. So. You know, if you picked up anything in your practice where you're like, okay, now I'm going to run them through. This is this is the way I'm going to hire. I'm going to ask these kind of questions. I'm going to maybe bring them into the firm one day, and they're going to do a simple task. I'm going to see how they work out. You know, besides all the qualifications, you already see the resume, the degree, all the other stuff. So yeah, we we do kind of do that. We go through several interviews. We sit down as a small team and meet with them. And then once we get in, you know, we use this program. It's called Revit Rocket Ship. Oh, yeah. To train, our, uh, train our employees <laughs> to get them up on board. Um, these two guys did it. and it's RevitRocketShip.com. RevitRocketShip.com. Right yeah. It's pretty awesome. Learn um, Revit fast and easy. Yeah, so it, it was great. We, I've, I've gone through the tutorial three times now. And, you know, you, you learn a little bit something more. I think I pick up on stuff. I mean, there's stuff that and as we watch it as a studio when we bring a new employee in. Because there are some things that are in that program that we don't do, and so we can quickly say, no, we're, we, this, is, this is how they do it, this is how we do it. It's a little different. But for the most part, it's a good foundation for them to build on, and it gets everybody kind of working on the same way because, as you know, Lance, using Revit, and Cormac, who just sat down, who doesn't have a mic, <coughs> who uses Revit, you know, people can go in all different directions with Revit, and it, if you're not on the same page, it's trying to get into somebody else's files a nightmare. Yeah, the, yeah. Thing, the things that you guys are talking about as small firm owners um, are things that, that we're all struggling with. And I think that there are uh, several organizations like the AIA are, are doing things to try to help us do those things. NCARB with Jared, uh, what he's doing. And so I wanted to just sort of bring Jared into this conversation by asking Jared, what are some of the things that NCARB is doing um, that could help practitioners like like Nick and and Lance, uh, sort of solve some of those problems, bringing new new architects into the profession. Yeah. Well, I'll pick up a little bit on on what Nick was saying. Even in interviewing, I mean, so NCARB people think it's this big organization, but the reality is we're small teams. We're a bunch of small teams inside of NCARB. So working on the exam, we're only six people, and I will tell, like any small firm, 
values and culture fit is critical. So we just hired some new staff on our team, and that's what we start with. It's a multi-interview process. Lance, like you said, we bring them in, and we have them do exercises as part of the interview process. Like We really have to make sure it's the right person that's going to help our team grow because one bad person on a small team is poison. And we've all learned, I think we've all learned that the hard way, so it's the slow to hire, right? Make sure you've got that right person. Um, I think from an NCAR perspective, what we're really looking at it is that culture, and we have really shifted our culture in the last, you know, five to seven years. I don't know how many of you have gone through NCAR programs prior to that. Um, there was a lot of negative press when I started NCAR. 4.1 was my test. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure you might have gotten a letter from most of us. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Possibly. And that's okay. And right, and I think the reality is I started at NCARB 11 years ago, and to some degree, 11 years ago, the attitude was like, yeah, why are you bought? You know, I, okay, send me your email. I'll ignore it. <laughs> and I'll tell you, the, the difference is today, if you send an email, like, we're on it and we're like, you know, what's going on? What are your challenges? And the good news story I'll share is I got an email yesterday from a licensure candidate that was testing in North America, was relocated to um, Argentina. We opened a test center in Argentina down there so she could test. She relocated to China. She's able to test over in China. I got the email yesterday saying, I'm done. I passed my last ARE exam. Like, that's a great new story to realize that NCARB is really here to help people go through the licensure process. And small firms, you are the front line of really helping people become licensed. Well, yeah, my feedback, I, quick feedback would be that 4.1 was, that's what I went through. It was, I just... I just did it. And um, it sounds like, and then my business partner was half in 4.1 and then the new in 5. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then now, now our employees are taking, one guy has two tests left. We're pretty excited about it. We're hoping he gets, we get another license in the firm. And it sounds like it is moving in the positive direction. You know, we don't hear these, we, I, the kind of complaints that he's telling me about, I'm like, yeah, you didn't, you didn't have to do the graphic exercise. Mm -hmm. you, the last minute you didn't move the circle. It's work going way better for you. So yeah, I think you guys, I think you guys are on the right track. Um, yeah. It seems, it seems more fluid. That's that's good to hear. I will say, um, the reality of the thing is, we all know I was a, a 3.0 candidate when I took the exam. And right, I have my horror stories, and I'm like, oh well, yeah, you don't know what it's really like. And if any of us <laughs> talk to somebody who took the paper and pencil exam, they're going to tell oh, us, yeah. oh, you yeah. don't know what it's really yeah. like. I, you know, I had to take the paper pencil exam. And what we have to remember though is, every new candidate doesn't have that history. So everybody wants the Amazon experience. Our right. clients want the Amazon experience. And so that's actually what NCARB is looking at, is how do we give you best in service, which is a really a new way of thinking about it. And I'm sure everybody out there is thinking that same thing. How do you give your clients that best in service? Even though you're a small firm, you know, that's great and hands-on, but they're also thinking you know, big firm technology and they want to see it coming out of the small firms. I have a random question. So the green papers that get sent to your local state DORA office or, or wherever, right, that, were, that allow you to, from NCARB to the state office, and then they see, oh, yeah, they passed. Is there any way those can ever get unlocked and you can, ha you can have access to them to see what you scored on? I've always been interested to see, like, I feel like I aced structures. I'm not joking. Like, that was the easiest one for me. And I was like, I, I want to just like frame that. I know I aced that test. So, Lance, you really don't want to know uh, <laughs> because you may not have aced it. And as long as you passed by one point, it's congratu all that matters. congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the reality is we are, we're never going to look behind the cover on, on the scores. And historically, they did. So you know, back in the paper-pencil days, 
state licensing boards and the candidates would actually get their test score, like a numerical test score. The problem was people started to use it for the wrong reason. And so when you're looking to hire somebody, oh. would you want somebody who, well, okay, Lance got a 96 on structures. That's amazing. But if the next person walks in and got a 97, does that mean they're a better hire? And that's not an appropriate use of, of what the architect licensing totally fair, exam totally is about. Fair, yeah. Yeah. That, that would have no play in my studio. Yeah. I, I told my, so when my last intern left, she's like, how could I improve my resume? And I said, honestly, you got a lot of space dedicated to your GPA. I'm like, I don't care what your GPA is. I, I want to see that you can have design sensibility in both your portfolio and how you put your resume together. So when you have this page and a half resume and there's a quarter of it that's all about how great academically you are, I don't really care about that. It's We're in a subjective um, profession where if your studio doesn't, professor didn't like you, you get a C. Yeah. Or right. doesn't like your design. doesn't mean you had a bad design. In most people's opinion, it mattered, it mattered to him or her. So I said, don't, don't. In our yeah. field, it doesn't mean as much. Yeah, right. I've, I've, it's always baffled me, you know, 10 years down in someone's career, and they're still, you know, saying I graduated from blah, 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 with, you know, it's magna cum laude. I'm like, eh, okay, but does that really matter anymore? I mean, you know, once you're 10 years in, I'm looking more for your experience. I'm yeah. looking for what you can do, what you can bring to the table and enrich our firm. Yeah, you did you graduate magna cum laude and all of a sudden you got lazy? Yeah. Exactly. Or do you, did you graduate with like a B average and you have this incredible drive? Right, right, exactly. Right. And I think everybody looks at it from the perspective of, you know, what can they bring for your future of your firm, right? Because you hire in the moment. We all do. We all hire in the moment. But we have to keep our eye on what's coming five and ten years down the road because that's what really is where success is going to matter. Everybody, I mean, a lot of people can start a firm and that firm can go out of business six months later. It's can you start a firm? Can you keep it going? Can you grow the firm like you guys were talking about? And then, you know, what is that future? What's the profession going to be five and ten years from now that we're all reacting to? Right. So, <laughs> so real quick, I wanted to double back on uh, just a thought I had or a question that I had for you guys. When you guys are hiring and looking at new hires, um, do you, especially with the big push towards new technologies and things like that. Are you guys actually looking for people who can come in? You know, I, I have this, um, you know, I, I always use this uh, statement every time I'm talking about, you know, we've got the experience, and typically the experience doesn't know the software, and the you know people who know the software typically don't know the, you know, don't have the experience. So are you always looking for, you know, the, the new hires coming in that are, you know, fresh out of school or a couple years, you know, into the profession, you know, being able to come in and enrich your um, your studio with you know, more knowledge of the new softwares and where it can take your firm, or are you like hire? You know, I need this. You know, I'm sending out a set the next week, and I need you to jump in on toilet room plans. So, um, in a resume, there's two things that will pop out to me first. It, they have to have some experience with Revit. If you have no experience with Revit, we don't even look at your resume. Or the only there's one thing that can override that is if you have construction experience, because yeah. we can teach you Revit pretty quick while you're right. doing construction work with us. But if you have neither, I can't. Yeah. I don't have the time to teach both. True. True. And yeah. it, for us, it's I would say at the at the beginning when we were first looking to build the base, maybe like the first one or two employees. I need you to have both of those things. I need you to have Revit plus construction. And now that we have a base to rely on and, you know, we're up to seven people, maybe our eighth hire would be 
just to fill a niche, and they they only have to have one or the other. Um, maybe not even construction experience, because mm-hmm. um, we can teach them Revit, like uh, like Nick right. said, RevitRockShit.com, piece of cake. So, uh, th- I, I it, you know, it always like one 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 gentleman that we hired. He had his own photography business, side business. He would do weddings, and now he does all of our architectural photography. That saves us a lot of money. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and like when I post stuff on LinkedIn on this latest Eldorado Walls project, people are asking like, "Who did you hire to do that?" And I go, <laughs> "Oh, just it's one of our employees." And they're like, "Well, he does a fantastic job." Um, so you know, there's stuff like that. Um, one of our other employees is really good at, at rendering. So he fills that he fills that right. niche one hundred percent. Another guy is really good at he somehow he's just figured out structures, and like I trust him. Another guy is somehow he, he worked for his dad first, and he showed us all these waterproofing details. I'm like, okay, you're the waterproofing guy, uh, <laughs> right, and then right. everybody else learns from from him. So it's kind of the way we practice at F nine is like I want just a diverse team, a diverse set of projects, a diverse streams of income, so that we're as strong as possible when the next. You know, when we are done with this crest in this uh, awesome economy out right now. Right. But Lance, I think you're saying something really important, which is you're mentoring across your firm, right? So you're bringing that niche person in, and you're very quickly realizing that person's going to help every one of us get better. And I think that that is the key, I think, to growing any good firm is that mentoring that next generation. You've talked about hiring new people. You look for certain things, but you know they're going to bring a specialty, and then you need that to spread across the whole organization. Yeah, because yeah. we, we position ourselves when, with our hires um, as who, what can they bring to the table to make the firm as a whole, you know, more marketable. I mean, how can we be more competitive against, you know, larger firms that we're competing against and trying to, you know, land the same jobs that they are? You know? And so, you know, I mean, now I'm talking from a larger firm aspect than the smaller firms, but I was just curious if that... There is the portfolio, too. How about you? Where are you at when looking at portfolios, Nick? Um, and how do you how do you judge it? Because there's two ways... We see two very two different kinds of portfolios, basically, in, coming in from our firm. And it's literally because of the schools that teach in a certain way. One is, man, you are analog still. I can't believe you guys just... So many sketches, so many hand rendering, so many models. And then some people are just like from SciArc or something, they're just pure <laughs> digital. So do you have a preference for either one, or do you like mixed? Uh, so we don't like to see any words in the portfolio, because I'm not going to read. I don't really care too much about the description of the project. It's, you know, when you spend a half a page or a full page on the synopsis of I don't care about that. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not looking at, that's not what I'm looking at a portfolio for. I'm looking at your renderings and your hand drawings for design sensibility. Right. And then I like to see wall sections or t- some type of technical drawing to show that you've started to understand what those pretty pictures mean in the real world. Right. Uh, beyond that, it, that's all we're looking for. Yeah. But it is, n- it is awesome to see a mix of both computer and um, hand drawings in this set. Have, have any of you seen um, a lot of a lot of resumes we've been seeing lately are they'll have like a little graph and they'll say Revit, Photoshop, um, InDesign. They'll have all these lists of, of softwares and then they'll rate themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a little <laughs> giggle and sometimes they're sometimes they're real and sometimes they're not. I mean, it's sort of like this weird so like you're rating yourself on the software. How do you even do that? I've seen um, that. Come on. 
and I, I don't care for it much. I just like say you know Revit a little bit. <laughs> I could see, I could <laughs> see how you're a seven on a backfire <laughs> on someone. Oh, especially yeah. Especially if you're you know you're looking to get somebody going. You know, boots on the ground, get moving. And, and they're like, well, you know, the software that you're going to ask me to do, I think I rate myself at a five. I'm like, well, I need a nine, dude, you know, <laughs> right. kind of thing. And so, you know, sometimes that might backfire. So anybody listening, maybe that's not something you want to include. I mean, what, how do you look at it, though? You know. I just dismiss it because it's it's such a subjective rating. I mean, how would you even, how would you even, without doing like a day test, like we talked about earlier, you right. know, same thing at NCARB, I, I don't know how you test people. You know, I don't know how you really believe that right. that's well, there. I appreciate that they, I would rather have a list like Nick said. I think um, what it leads to is the question of why do you rate yourself a 7 out of 10 or a 4 out of 5 stars? Because right. that's what you really need to understand exactly. is I because I, I've seen this too, I appreciate the fact that they're trying to make it graphic and very quick and easy to read but I think what we all know is it's about the conversation that happens. It's not, oh you're, a, you're 4 stars. 4 stars in my head probably means something very different than 4 stars in Nick's head. The, right. the resume is the only thing I read, but if it's over a page, I don't read it. It goes in the garbage. I don't. If you can't tell me in one page what you're about, I'm not interested. Yeah, we have we have another guest coming in. So I wanted to, I wanted uh, Jared to have one last opportunity before you go to talk a, a little bit about what NCARB is doing for small firms and how they could reach out and uh, gain some valuable information from what you're doing. Great. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, what I would say really is NCARB is really going to be focused this next year on supervision and mentorship. And like I said, really small firms are that front line because I started in small firms when I came out of school. I got a ton of great experience. That's really where I learned how to put a building together was in that small firm. But you go into a large firm and you get specialized, right? And you start doing one little thing. Small firms are, I firmly believe, a great place to do it. So look for resources from NCARB coming out in the next year on how to be a better supervisor, mentor, sort of that broad breadth of what it really means to be an architect. Um, other thing to watch for is we are doing a lot of work and researching the, where the current state of the profession is and where we're headed in the future. And small firms also are in a very pivotal place right now based on a lot of the research I've been doing about what's going to happen to that small firm in the next five to ten years. We're already seeing it. Trends are there. Small firms are getting bought up, right? The mid-sized firms actually getting bought up. Uh, so what's happening is firms are either becoming really big or staying very small. And we're going to have to see what that really does to the profession in the next, you know, 10 to 15 years. That's very interesting. So some of that, that trend spotting, is that available that, you know, architects can go to NCARB and find some of that information? We are, we've, we're completing the research right now and yep. we're going to start putting it out. So the, you're going to see more like infographics and things coming from that from NCARB. The other thing we're doing too, which I think hopefully will help frontline architects, uh, we've been doing more um, interaction with the International Code Council, trying to figure out better ways for architects and code officials to work together. I think we love code officials and we sometimes <laughs> have some angst with code officials, right Nick, at the same time? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say love is the right word. Okay, I'm, try, I'm trying to be really Load positive. Love is the right word. Uh, right. <laughs> so it, it may be a love-hate relationship, but let's move it to a uh, like-love relationship. So we are going to be doing that, too. And so watch. We just completed a great perception analysis between architects and code officials. Some interesting data is going to be coming out on that, too. Well, right. how, how, can we, how, can, how can we help support you? Yeah, besides that was an excellent question. Perfect, yeah. is you know Because uh, I actually, some people have asked the Entree Architect community about reciprocity and stuff. One thing I do like about NCARB is that the reciprocity process is very simple. When I order something to go to Idaho or where we're licensed in North Dakota, it, it's there. And it, it is fast, and it helps us get the work established up okay. there. 
most important thing any small firm can do, and I expect every one of you to do this this year, NCARB is starting our next big analysis of the practice of architecture. So we need to hear from you. When we put out these questions and we're doing surveys, take the time to respond to them because we need to learn from you, the practicing architects. Like I said, I, I used to have a firm. I don't anymore. So, you know, I can do research, but I need to hear from you on the ground what's going on. When you inform us, that causes us to make changes. Cool. Yeah, excellent. Thank Reg, you very much. Thank you, Jared. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming by. Who do we got next, Mark? We have uh, Earl and Leah coming up. Let's bring them on together. <laughs> all right. I'll, talk, I'll see you all later. All right. Thanks, Nick. All right. Have a seat, Leah. You too, Earl. We're going to do this. We're going to do this together. We've been doing this all day since 12 o'clock, and we've been, uh, we've been overlapping, and I think that you guys have uh, a great story that you can each tell your stories, and then we'll have a good conversation about passion and about what you're doing, because I think you're both very passionate about what you're doing. Um, let me just introduce you, uh, Leah Bayer, Leah Elisa Bayer, right? Yes. And Earl Parson, uh, two architects who are doing some amazing things. Uh, let's start with you, Leah, and uh, introduce yourself, and then we'll have uh, Earl introduce himself, and then I want to have a conversation about, uh, about building uh, businesses and architecture and, and sort of following these big ideas and these big dreams. Um, okay. And uh, so let's sure. start with you. Uh, as you said, I'm, I'm Leah Baer. I uh, am based in the Bay Area uh, and just founded my own firm about a year ago called EVS Studio, currently focused on residential architecture, multifamily, and interested in developing affordable housing uh, down the road. Uh, recently submitted to and won the CBG competition. Right, the winner of the exciting. Charette Venture Group Business Plan Competition. Yes. Uh, and now I'm here finally meeting all of these people that I've been listening to for years, so this is very exciting. Yeah, good, <laughs> good. So, Earl, what's up with you? I'm Earl Parson. I'm an architect practicing as Parson Architecture, as well as a second kind of sister company I've created called Clever Moderns. And so Parson Architecture is my residential custom architecture practice. And Clever Moderns is a brand that I developed that is focused around support and resources for DIY home builders. And then within that, I've really niched down into the specialization of Quonset Hut houses and homes built from this kind of prefab kind of a semi-prefab system of a Quonset hut and then turning that into a house. And that's where I've really discovered that there's kind of this underserved niche of people wanting to do that and having really almost no resources online to be able to, to do that for themselves. And so I've been really engaged with building a community around that kind of small bandwidth of an idea and it's blossoming, and it's a thrill. Yeah, I, I love the idea, and which is why I wanted you to come on together, of of sort of practicing as traditional architects, and then having this idea of something a little bit different and a little bit, you know. And you just sort of took that seed and decided, okay, I'm going to plant that seed and where it goes. And and so, th I want to have a conversation about business models, you know, and because you have a very unique business model, Earl, and you have a very unique business model, Leah. So could you talk about how your business is structured and, and where you are now in that overall model sure. um, and where you want to take that model? Yep. So it's definitely in the very early stages. feels much more like a traditional practice. Uh, although we are a completely virtual firm, 
Uh, it's myself and now four other women. And I wanted to structure a company that was very diverse, both in the people that are there as well as the practices. So the intent is for it to be a design and engineering and landscape and you know any anybody who's involved in that process as part of a, a core team, uh, but also allow flexibility for them to work autonomously and take care of their own schedules. So interestingly enough, I just met one of my first employees for the first time who I've been working <laughs> with for a year, which yeah. is such a pleasure. Uh, so we're in the, the very early stages, just figuring out how to work together in that sort of new model where we don't spend day to day with each other. And so far it's been going pretty well. Uh, and so the next step is for me to scale and take on the next portion of the business practice, which is developing. So I have a goal of getting into architect as developer model. And the first development I'd like to be starting in 2023, which is going to come up pretty quickly. Uh, and from there, we'd also like to get into uh, research as well as starting a tech component along with that in order to really take control over providing the types of environments that we know architects can provide for people, but don't necessarily always have the authority to make the decisions that we should be including those things for the environments that we're creating. So. Yeah, that's the plan. And and Earl, you you too, you were part of the business plan competition a few years ago, right? And you were a runner up or runner up, yeah. And in the 2016 competition, and that's where Clever Moderns sort of was born and sort of that idea, right? And that was so that was the idea. The idea was more broad, and it was about the DIY home builder, and. And then I, you know, the the Quonset Hut house was a was a piece of, you know, was one example of a system that could be employed and engaged for for that sector, for that idea. And that was one of a few different ideas, but it really it really stuck because we built our own Quonset Hut project, and, and we we bought three Quonset Huts all in one order, and then built them over time. And so we've just finished putting the final arches in place on the third building that we bought. To about two years ago, yeah. and that ended up really becoming this surprise to me that there would I could develop a community just around that, and um, and now all my clients are are people that want a Quonset Hut house, and uh, awesome. it's just yeah it, I I couldn't believe you know that if you had if you had told me five years ago I'd be sort of doing right. this thing, and well, that's, uh, that's why I wanted you guys to come on together because Leah's at the very beginning. She's right. where where you where you were in the competition with that initial idea for Clever Moderns, and and Clever Moderns has evolved a little bit. It's still the ba same basic idea. But you sort of found the niche within that bigger idea that you can right. focus on and then take that niche idea and then grow it again. Exactly. And so I, I think, you know, Leah has a very big idea, you know, multiple phase, you know, long term big idea. Um, and it'll be interesting to sort of see where you end up, yeah. you know, because you're starting now and you've already probably experienced a few uh, unexpected situations where you've sort of planned for one thing sure. and it didn't work out the way you had planned, but it's not necessarily wrong. It's just, and that, that flexibility of, of, of uh, plan right. is really important. Um, and so have you experienced some of those situations? In the, you know, in the very beginning, I had mentioned that one thing that I learned is that growing and building a team that is multidisciplinary is a challenge. And we'll see if that's still the way that we want to yeah. go. Um, that's 
one of the aspects because we do have very different ways of practicing and different tools. And so just figuring out the architect's portion in a remote uh, setting is one thing and bringing on that, we'll see if I still go there. I think also when you are wanting to take on a position of really controlling what you're creating and developing for a community, you may have something in mind of what you think that they need. Uh, and then come to find, once you really get invested into a community space, that your ideas of what they might want are completely different. So I, I fully expect to see that we'll have to shift and change along with what people really want. Um, but it's, it's exciting to have that framework in order to have a goal and still sort of sway back and forth yeah. and know that you're ultimately going towards the biggest picture, which is creating healthier environments for communities. Yeah. Yeah. Earl, do you, do you have any advice for Leah in terms of uh, when you see those pivots? Because I know you struggled with that idea. I struggled with some things. And, and so I was reminded recently, and so this, this is all coming back for me now, earlier in the year, this year around, around that time, I was feeling a little bit frustrated and sort of like unsure what the next steps would be. Where do I go from here? What do I grow into next with this? Where am I taking this? And so within the Entree Architect Academy, I'm in one of the small groups. And so we meet weekly and troubleshoot each other's. We have a mastermind group that that we discuss, you know, what, what everyone is going through. And, and we, you know troubleshoot each other's issues with either with life or practice and the way they intersect and all of that. And someone in the small group said, well, didn't, I mean, you started this with a business plan and what were your ideas with that? And do you need to just go back to that and like re-examine some, it was sort of just like a, throwing a, a glass of cold water in my face saying, you had all these ideas. Why are you now feeling stuck about where to grow this next? Which like, is why it's so important to write them down. I know. Even though you know well, you're not going to end up where you think you're going to end up. But to write them down and have that business plan up front, which is what you exactly. Did. So I, you know, I will say, a few years from now, or a, you know, a couple years from now. I mean, you want to update your business plan as you move forward. But then, when you get enough distance out from where you are, don't forget to look back at the things you wrote. Mm -hmm. You know, even six months ago, a year ago, as you were developing your business plan in the very early days. Because there were things that you had, you know, in the works back then that will come back to you in a fresh way when you've got more of it behind you, you know, a couple of years from now. Right. A little hindsight. <laughs> so yeah. when, you, when you get to that point where you have your, you've built your plan, you're sort of taken off on that plan, um, and then you find this, this diversion. You know, there's, a, there's like you, you, you started with Clever Moderns, and then the Quonset Hut sort of became an opportunity within that. And you needed to make a decision, am I going to go and become the Quonset Hut guy? Or does Quonset Hut just stay as a piece of Clever Moderns and I'm gonna push forward on Clever Moderns? That, I know that was a difficult decision to sort of go in that other direction that wasn't part of the plan. Um, was it difficult and how did you sort of get there? I can look back and see that I struggled with it probably more than I, seems like I would have needed to at the time. And maybe the idea that I hit on this niche that was really rich and offered a lot of growth within this small little area almost seemed 
Like, is this really a real thing? Because I, right. you know, I was getting a growing a community and getting a response that I wasn't really expecting to be as robust as it ended up being. And I mean, it's sort of like, well, it's it could sound obvious that if if you start getting traction in an area of your business, why wouldn't you? You know, yep. and and I think that if if you find a, a small area where you can start to get traction, that traction can give you momentum to broaden back out into other areas once you get that momentum going. And I think the momentum is incredibly important to, to get. Yeah. So I think if you, know, if you start discovering there's a, like an unexpected way in which something's resonating, don't think too hard about getting excited that something is resonating and like going after it. I mean, but it's hard, right? Because you, you pour your heart and soul into developing this plan that is the ideal, this is what I want to do with my life. And so when you come to find that you've hit a point where you maybe... You depart from it. Yeah, maybe that's not well, it's what sunk, life is telling you you should do. Architects really struggle with sunk costs because yes. we put so mm. much into everything that we do that right. it becomes hard to abandon, in air quotes, the thing that we've worked so hard on. And, and it is, you see it in software all the time, the opposite of that, right? It's mm. like, whoa, that is clearly not working. This is starting right. to work. Boom. They call it pivot, direction. right? Yeah. Yep. And it's just pivot. part of tech, tech yep. lingo, and that's how some yeah. of the biggest companies in the world have, yeah. have been created. Robert Ewan from Monograph was here earlier, and he talked about that. I mean, and he's still supporting customers who built websites on his platform, but they don't make the platform anymore. They, they still continue to support the people who are there, but they're, they're doing something different now. Yeah. And I, I think that that is a struggle for a lot of architects. Yeah. Because we're... We were trained to draw the party diagram to guide our project all the way through in something we could always go back to and look at and say, well, that's how I'm supposed to do it. I wrote I wrote the language, right? It's mine. I own it. And it is hard to let go of that. For yeah. Sure. And when, when I train on business, that's why it's so important to write a business plan. And I think a lot of architects here, oh, you got to write. A, I don't want a business plan. I want to just do what I do and see where I go. I don't want to be constrained by having a business plan. But I think the importance of having a business plan is to have that check, is mm-hmm. to is to develop the the up for the top things, the top level things like a, like your vision, and your mission, because those are the things that you can go back to, and check yourself. The rest of it can evolve, but your mission and your vision typically will stay, right? Because they're big pictures, the big picture idea. So when you are presented with that opportunity and that that potential scary decision on should I pivot or should I stay keep going forward you go back to your mission and your vision and you read what you wrote and then you you know you go back to that document and you say that's why I'm doing this and so then you can reevaluate that decision and say is that decision something that I want to pursue or is that something that I don't want to pursue or does it match my vision and if it doesn't match my vision then you have a conscious intentional decision Mm -hmm. on whether you are going to ship the vision Mm -hmm or continue on the original idea. So it's, I mean, that's, that's yeah. why, that's the message of the business plan competition. Exactly. Is to make sure that people understand the value of doing that. You know, even today, like you said, you're going back to that original plan and reminding yourself of, of why you did it so you can make a, a conscious, intentional And decision. even if it's to decide there are parts of that that are really no longer relevant. Exactly. Right. And that's right. okay, too. Yeah. It was a snapshot yeah, in time. Yeah. And it was the best information you had at the time. And you might find then there are parts of it that are like, oh, yeah, that, that was, and that's still like, look at what I know now and then how that right. could apply. And now let's do this in a, like an even better way or something. Right. 
Yeah, and it should it should be uh, an evolving, living document. Yeah. You know, I think a, a lot of people think, okay, I wrote a business plan, and it's for funding and financing, and the bank wants to see it, but I don't think that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a one-page documentation of what do I want to do, why do I want to do that, and where do I want to go. So it gives you some structure and some reminder of of your 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 north star. You know why why you're doing what you're doing. So you can make those decisions in a conscious, intentional way. So it's it's exciting to see where you are now, um, and to and we'll, maybe we'll have you back in a couple of years. Yeah, it'd to, be interesting to, to see where it's gone. Yeah, yeah let's schedule yeah. this right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we can pull an earl on you, and and you can look back. <laughs> well, as part of your as part of your your award, you've received a, a membership right. at Entree Architect. So I'm sure I'll and, be reminded. To and <laughs> when when Todd asked me, you know, if, if I was willing to do that, I said, I said yes. There are two levels she can join. She can join the basic membership, which gives you lots of stuff. But if you want to join the mastermind group, that's available to you too. But you have to commit to being part of that mastermind group yeah. and, and, uh, and participating on a weekly level, making it a priority, because that's when those things are, are valuable. Because when you, you have that opportunity, like you said, Earl, to, to, um, to make that shift and you're struggling with that, that shift, you have a group of advisors who know you well, which is why those groups are so important, um, because you've built a relationship with these people. They become your family. Um, and you can open up and say, well, this is, this is why I'm really struggling with this. This is not just an easy decision here because there's this, this, and this. And my, you know, my, my wife is, is, you know, got a decision and my husband's got a decision. And, you know, there's, there's other pieces to this conversation that you wouldn't talk to everybody about. And so I think if you're willing to do that, we'd love to have you as part of one of those groups. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've been sort of tracking what the mastermind groups are doing and when they've been open. I think it's such an important thing to have as part of your network because that doesn't, I haven't been able to find a, somebody to talk to or somewhere to go to understand if I'm doing the right thing or if I should be considering something else. There's not really like a community for architectural business owners. And But we're it. Right. And so th <laughs> this, that's why this has been so... But wait. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if only. so exciting to me to have access to people who are struggling with similar questions or have already dealt with that, you know, a few years ago, and be able to see from a fresh perspective. I think, I, like, I would love to do that. Yeah. It would be wonderful. Great. I think what's so neat about the community that you, you know, built, Mark, is that, like, I'm not a small firm architect. I don't have my own firm, mm -hmm. but I can still contribute to right. that yeah. with mm. the things that. I know really well. And and I can even take things that we're implementing in a much larger firm and distill that down to anybody. Like it doesn't matter what size you are. Here's our experience. You take it or leave it, right? But but if somebody needs to tap into information, like where else can you tap into a larger firm? Well, it turns out you could do that through social media and you know a community like Entree Architect where I'm a, I'm a part of that, right? Mm -hmm. And so right. every once in a while I go through there and I'll skim through stuff. And I know old colleagues who I've taught at, taught at Cal Poly with who are a member of that group and they're bringing their small firm perspective and they're bringing their teaching perspective. And it's just a huge wealth of knowledge. That And so those, those communities do exist. I think that's what's really cool well, about it. Well, and the, this is also a great, what you're just saying, Evan, is a great example of how when you, when you take your focus and... and like my sort of thing I keep repeating now is like 
find your niche and your small little bandwidth of a thing, yeah. you actually do have an impact beyond that small little yeah. niche thing. Totally. Marx focuses small term small firm architects. And I mean the definition of that is you know, a little bit <laughs> open and you have yeah. your way of defining it, Mark. Well, but it's in, actually for me it's intentionally wide open. It's it's self-defining. It's if well, you decide. But, and so Evan is here, like contributing and 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 benefiting from that, even though he's in a certain technical sense outside of of that definition, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yet, you know, here it is the 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 ripple effect and the impact of the of the niche focus go beyond the niche, and it's like another reason to not tune that don't tune that idea out if it sounds like if you think you want to make a bigger impact than just to have like a small little area that you focus on and i think i i get more out of it than i put into it and i think that's probably true for everybody because there is so much knowledge there architectural knowledge like that group is making better architects Mm -hmm. because they're discussing code issues how have you handled this before and and those are things that i don't come up against every day right but i get access to it and it becomes just like I'm the sponge soaking that stuff up and maybe I'll use it someday maybe I won't mm-hmm. but it's interesting it's part of my field and what's also cool is I just try to leave little breadcrumbs there of, uh, and so that when somebody says something I'm like oh they talked about that over there go check that out and yeah. I'm just connecting dots for people at that point and and I, I get a lot of satisfaction out of that because I'm helping somebody and I had nothing to do with that Right, it's, mm-hmm. it, but I still want to help you. I still want to help you become a better architect, and that's the. It's places like that that are a repository of information that people anybody can have access to, if, um, unless they don't know about it. Right. Yeah. So just yeah. tell them about it. Yeah, and I didn't intend this kind of the conversation to be an advertisement for Entre Architect, <laughs> but, but the uh, but the community. I mean, I I called it entrepreneur architect intentionally, not small firm architecture. Right. It's, oh, it's a mindset. Yeah, totally. Of, and I, of, I was thinking that when Earl was talking earlier. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't fit the technical definition, but I am entrepreneurial. And, exactly. Yeah, and you sure. are an entrepreneur architect. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's at all levels. Yeah. The reason that it's become a small firm community is because there was a void there. There was a vacuum there. There was a, there was a need for a place where we can talk about business and success and leadership that wasn't being fulfilled by other communities. Um, and so the small firms sort of gravitated around what I was doing very early on, and it became this small firm yeah. community. But the originally, and still today, if somebody asks me, I, you know, do I fit in your community? Well, that's up to you yeah. if you fit you into decide. this community. Yeah. Right. Because it, it's, are you an entrepreneur and are you an architect? Right. Yes, and yes, then you probably fit in this community. And what the definition of entrepreneur is, is also up to you. Yeah. You know, so if you feel that you're part of this community, then you should be part of this community. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people in that group, you guys, I'm sure included, you constantly feel like you're kind of hacking your own business. You're, you're trying to figure out new ways to approach things. You're maybe hacking your business plan that you already made into something different. I feel like I'm hacking the firm that I work in, right? And, and I'm at, at a small level, I'm trying to create change in an entity that's been around for almost 80 years. And, and so... Like, I have a small group of people, it's three of us, right, who are trying to introduce new technology and create a path, a trajectory that the company needs to go. You know, we feel very strongly about that. So we are kind of a small startup within a larger firm. And, you know, it is a little bit of an incubator, but it's kind of (laughs) self-incubated, right? 
uh, because we we see this this hole and we see that it needs to be filled. And I think that that's going on at many different levels inside of a group like that, right? I mean, it's it's the reason people listen to our podcast. Yeah. They're looking for other perspectives, different ways of doing things, insights, experiences. And, I, and it's the same for Entree Architect. It's the same for F9 and inside the firm. People are putting the information out there and uh, it just becomes this wealth of knowledge. And I think that because of the internet and because of all of these these different platforms that are available, um, it's, you just have to figure out then how to navigate it. So. Right, right. So as we wrap up here, because we're going to bring Bill on, um, what, how can people reach out to you and um, see what you're doing? Uh, they can go to eviastudio.com. E-V-I-A. E-V-I-A, yep, and studio, or eviastudio, really on any social media is where I am. And it's just me managing those, so it's pretty easy to yeah. reach me through there. Yeah. yeah, so we can watch your progress and yes. see how it's going and, yeah. and watch you pivot when you pivot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, and, and I'd love to... Uh, reach out and I, I was so bummed that I didn't get to talk to many of the other people who attended last night so if you hear this or if you saw me there please do reach out I'd love to connect yeah yeah great and Earl how do we uh, see what you're doing online so clevermoderns.com is my website the blog there is updated a couple times a month with our updates from the property build out with the Quonset Huts in northern Arizona and for kind of the most up-to-the-minute kind of latest uh, photos are on Instagram. And the, my Instagram is Quonset House, so at Quonset House on Instagram. And uh, I'll just throw it out there that we are going to be, uh, we seem to be on track to have the, the loft house open as a Grand Canyon vacation rental Sweet. starting in the spring. Yeah. I'm in. And uh, we'll do a friends and family soft launch the first year, which awesome. will be next summer, because then we're going to be right on to the next build. There will be some construction activity on the property, and uh, we're getting our feet wet as being uh, vacation rental, you know. Yeah. Uh, Don't be surprised hosts, if so. there's an Entree Architect retreat in yeah. the future <laughs> at the Quad We definitely want to... Uh, I would love for my architect friends to come yeah. uh, Bring use, tents. Use, use the property. Yep. We've got acreage. You can camp out. You can just uh, That's cool. stay in the Quonsets and have a nice time. Yeah, so. very cool. Thanks for coming. Appreciate it. Thanks for having yeah, thank me. Thank you very much. You. We'll, uh, we'll be definitely you, watching nice your progress, you. both of you. We will be right back to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, Gusto, Arcat, and FreshBooks. If you own a business or know someone who does, you probably know that us small firm business owners, we wear a lot of hats. And some of those hats are totally great, but some, like filing taxes and running payroll, not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses. Fast, simple payroll processing benefits and simple management tools all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Those old-school clunky payroll providers just weren't built for the way modern small businesses work. But Gusto is... So let Gusto wear one of your many hats. You have better things to do. Listeners to the Entree Architect podcast get three months free 
when they run their first payroll. Try a demo and see for yourself at entrearchitect.com slash gusto. That's entrearchitect.com slash G-U-S-T-O. It's what every professional in architecture dreads. Editing down a manufacturer's specifications. Did that just make your skin crawl? Did that just make the hair on the back of your neck stand up? You're staring down a 54-page specification and you just need one product. Just one product and all of its attributes. That's all you need. There is a better way. And it's not throwing the entire specification into the project documents. That's a waste of time. That's a waste of money. It's RCAT.com's Spec Wizard. Spec Wizard is a unique tool that allows you to specify a product in minutes, not hours, by turning a specification into a simple to use website. Just select the products and options you want to specify and generate a three part CSI specification in multiple formats. And best of all, it's free. And it requires no registration. You don't even need to send them your email address. It's all free, just like everything at RCAT. So go to entrearchitect.com slash RCAT, entrearchitect.com slash A-R-C-A-T, and try the better way of specifying products. RCAT's Spec Wizard. Do you remember when you started your small firm? It was no small feat. It took lots of late nights, early mornings, and maybe even the occasional all-nighter. Bottom line, you've been busy, insanely busy, ever since. So why not make things a little bit easier? Well, our friends at FreshBooks have the solution. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners. It's simple, intuitive, and it keeps you way more organized than the dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. Create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds and then get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. File expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part? FreshBooks grows alongside your business, so you'll always have the tools that you need when you need them without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it for free for 30 days. That's free for 30 days. No catch, no credit card. Free. 30 days. Visit entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. And enter entrearchitect in the how did you hear about us section to get started. Gusto, RCAT, and FreshBooks. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. I wanted to have you here for, for one, for, uh, to thank you for inviting us here to RCAT. No problem, glad to have you guys. So um, why don't you introduce yourself and what do you do at RCAT? I'm the head tech guy at RCAT, so if you go to RCAT.com and you do a search for vinyl windows and it's crappy, you complained to me. <laughs> <laughs> and you're doing a whole bunch of things that is at not RCAT. Your job that's not that's <laughs> not the only thing you're doing. You 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 are uh, you have you have taken the ideas of the architectural community and have built platforms and tools and all kinds of things in response, direct response to what we need at RCAT. Yeah, well our our whole goal is to, like what you're saying is provide tools that are of use to you guys, um, 
getting the manufacturers' names and products in front of you guys, so uh, so you can choose the best window, the best drywall, the best whatever for your projects. And um, and the manufacturers come to us because um, they know that we provide those useful tools to you guys. Yeah, and you're you're a great supporter of all three of our podcasts. Well, actually, uh, Arcaspeak and uh, uh, Entree Architect, and I've heard through the grapevine that that potentially there's a sponsorship for Inside the Firm coming out in the future. Any day now. Yeah. Any day, yeah. wow. So I, I cool. want to just thank you for one, for, for the years of support Absolutely. for all yeah. of us. Um, but not only just just for our platforms, but for the entire profession, you really uh, are a great supporter of the well, I'm glad we could help. We're yeah, always looking to help the architects. One of the things I've always been impressed with, with you're at all the shows that I've gone to, right? You're here, it, whether it's you by yourself, at AU that year, and we're sketching in VR, right? VR cat, or you're here with a huge entourage of our cat red shirts, right? Like you're constantly looking for ways to help architects, yeah. and I think that's the. And you're always asking me, "What can we do? What yeah. can we do? What can we do?" And I'm sure you're not just asking me that, right? So, I think that that is something that really sticks out to me about our cat. And so, yeah, I, I second. Marks, you know, thanks for what you're doing for the profession it, beyond our platforms. I'm not an architect, so I need the pros to, to help guide us in the right direction and provide the best tools for you guys. So you always have some interesting things going on. You know, you had VR Cat, you had full VR before a lot of the others were doing VR. Um, you had you have um, uh, some of the other products. Charette. That you're doing. Charette. Yeah. What what's what's the thing that nobody knows that you're working on? Well, you can sort of tease us with a little bit. I don't know if it's a whole lot to tease about, but uh, like we've been doing artificial intelligence for, I don't know, 10, 15 years now with the search engine. Um, but now we're starting to work in machine learning in, in, in the search engine as well. And getting kind of mixed results right now. Um, one, because I don't know what I'm doing. And two, we don't have enough data. All right. Well, well I think it you turns got somebody out that sitting we got next to you who could help you. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> so, so. Hold that thing close. And so this is Lucas Reams, and Lucas is with Trimble Consulting, right? Yes, sir. And uh, the 060 Accelerator. Yes. Right? Uh, and we mentioned you earlier when we yeah. were talking to Reg and Robert. Um, previously, Gary Technologies, right? All kinds Absolutely. of high-tech yep. stuff. Yep, so, yep, yep. so machine learning, AI... Lucas came and lectured in my class about these very things and how they're they're doing you know computer vision all that kind of you know video analysis all these analytics and stuff. So yeah, I mean it's it's a very it's a very exciting space to be in, and I think really what we're looking for is how do we you know put it to work right? The technology's there. There's a lot of interesting platforms that allow uh, the technology to be accessible, um, either you know through customization or or even some package platforms. And uh, so it's interesting to work with, with folks that are actually, you know, uh, putting the pedal to the metal and just, you know, getting some, some use cases and, and some of the technology applied. I think one of the neat things that RCAT has that a lot of, well, and, and architects too, they just don't know what to do with it, is this data, the database, right? They've yeah. got all this stuff, figuring out, it's figuring out how to make it work for you that a lot of people struggle with. You know, just because you've got data doesn't mean it's the right data. Just because you've got data doesn't mean you know how, what to do with it. you got to start asking yourself the right questions. What do I want to do with this stuff? What yeah. should I be collecting? What, should, what do I not need to be collecting? Yeah. There's, there's a lot of and things that people are struggling with. 
there, there's quite a bit of unstructured data as well. And you know, yeah, you talked about data smog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> data smog. Yeah. And uh, and you know, going through the process and doing the housekeeping to actually make sure that the you know whatever data that you're tracking or maybe not tracking, for that matter, uh, gets captured and structured in a way that's usable. But then. So that's you know that's the you know the, the infrastructure behind the data, but then there's also the people side of it, uh, you know, growing and emerging into being able to do data-driven project management and design management, and uh, you know being able to uh, leverage the information that you have to actually make valuable decisions, and right. and not everybody's there, and right. so I think there's sort of a growth that we need to uh, to facilitate. So you guys are looking to take that data and streamline the pr uh, the project management part of it all, or? Well, I would say in two aspects, and um, what Evan mentioned earlier. So uh, for Trimble Consulting, uh, we do that with our clients and on projects. So okay. if there's a specific project uh, with you know specific challenges and goals, then we'll you know structure that the data set, the technology stack, uh, the workflow of the team to be able to help you know track towards the final successful ex execution of the project. But then also uh, uh, we work with other companies as well uh, through Zero Sixty, uh, our accelerator program, uh, to find you know emerging tech and new concepts and new ways to actually create products around uh, being able to uh, both you know use techniques such as AI and ML, um, and then also just you know even proper data data management, right? So variety of topics. But uh, so I think you guys had some of them on earlier. We did, yeah, and maybe you could talk about your first cohort that uh, you guys had go through your program, uh, because Robert and Reg were both part of that, but then you had a couple of others as well. Yes, uh, so we had uh, uh, Tonic DM, um, Monograph, and Hypar. Um, so it was our first cohort, uh, so it's a learning process for us as well. Uh, we're excited to have such a powerhouse team uh, yeah, totally. uh, around. Um, so uh, I think we, we all had a blast. Uh, you know, whether it be going through uh, demo days, uh, you know, giving them access to clients uh, and sort of closed room sessions, uh, and then also going through some of the basics, you know, business planning, uh, marketing, uh, you know, uh, these sorts of things. Um, so we're excited about uh, the fact that a couple of them are now funded. Um, so uh, currently in our uh, it, uh, last iteration, we're equity free. Um, and we plan on staying that way, you know, for a period of time, and and it gives the flexibility for these companies to do some interesting work, um, and then uh, being the stepping stone uh, for them to actually find some uh, funding so that they can continue the work that they're doing. And are you guys looking for more ideas, more people to invest in? Invest is a is a broad. You would invest in many ways into mm -hmm. these different companies, but is that is that going on now, or is that coming up, or where where are you at with that with your next cohort? So the next cohort, uh, we're actually launching this week. Uh, so if you go to 060.io, you could find more information on that. Uh, and uh, as part of the next cohort, uh, we're still keeping a very sort of, um, you know, an open-ended uh, call for entries. We don't want to limit anybody right now. We might be more specific in, in cohorts to come. Mm -hmm. um, but some of the early interests that we have have been around, you know, actually artificial intelligence uh, companies that are really focused in, you know, really almost not even quite to the end product yet and so we're you know we're sort of balancing on how we're going to get uh, get there with them um, so uh, yeah but definitely you know uh, advanced automation systems and and uh, machine learning and AI is is definitely uh, a trend that we're seeing of, of entries for sure yeah. there's just so much data out there and you know I mean that's what you're sitting on a mountain of it you know so 
the mountain isn't that big. And I'm not, not talking about user data. I'm talking about like uh, the product data and yeah. the spec data that we have. And it's just it's not big enough. Machine learning needs a mountain of data, like the kind of to data really train that, it that Google tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are, what are some of the things that you see in the future for RCAT that that AI can actually help you do? Well, a, a lot of the stuff that we do is by hand. You know, we place a company in a CSI section here. We create a spec by hand. Everything we do is by hand. Uh, of course, we have tools that help us, and, and intelligence is is um, is built into that via code. But uh, machine learning could be a lot more accurate and a lot faster if we can leverage that. So, but it's a work in progress, and it will be for a while. Do you guys do analytics and tracking? I would assume of like. The types of content people are downloading, what what are they gravitating toward, what are they searching for, and starting to kind of marry those things together and maybe making predictions on what people might want based on who they are. You know, I, I would assume that like anything like that, like while wow, there's one side of that coin which is a little scary, right? That they're building a profile out of me, but also on the other side of the coin, saving you a ton of time. Like by, by guessing correctly. Right. I mean, that's the Amazon model. Early on. Right. Right. Yeah. Recommended products. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We have looked at that in the past, but what we found is that a user will come in looking for a door today, a window tomorrow, and um, pipe insulation the next day. And there's like, there's no rhyme or reason to any of it. But maybe Which, over the life of a project, uh, you could start to see some kind of trends of what they're picking early versus late or, or things like that. You know, obviously specs come later on in the project and yeah, very products true. come earlier. I don't know. Yeah, that's a definite possibility. Yeah. But at the moment, we're not really focusing on the user. Um, well, we always focus on the user, but not as not as far as yeah, not as far as like harvesting their information to yeah to go down. I know. Well, route. you don't even require registration to yeah, download data. because we know you guys don't want to be contacted. You don't so. want to be. <laughs> it, you come to us to get the information, so you don't have to yeah to search around and and talk to a sales rep. Yeah, but as as that data as as the selection as the specifications and selecting specific products becomes more part of the overall process like what you're doing Evan uh, where you're looking for ways to integrate the the Revit model with the specifications and the right um, in the future that's what's going to happen it's all going to come together right yeah. I mean and so how does our a company like Arcat uh, evolve to sort of be the player within that 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 scenario where we're no longer going to look for a building product, the building product is coming to us. I think machine learning could help in that respect in that the machine learning could use the data in the model, uh, the BIM model that is, then run it on, uh, pass it on to a machine learning model that would then couple up with the spec data and somehow marry the two. Yeah, and I think this gets back to what we were talking about earlier with Lucas was, <coughs> so you've got Every, every firm out there has got model after model after model. And every model, we did things a little bit differently because we're always learning. And so the cleanliness of that structured data or unstructured data becomes mandated, right, for, for the machine learning to, to work correctly. And, and, but I think maybe you could speak to this, Lucas. I mean, what you're talking about is harvesting data from all the models we've made, which we should be able to do and make those models work for us to make predictions about what we're going to do on future models to make those kinds of things happen for us or make them a lot easier, maybe remove some of that friction of going to find that particular thing. It's like, well, well, no, you've always used that thing. Here it is. I could see 
that kind of thing happening for architects, where the computer's just making recommendations, mm -hmm. the, the Amazon model of, of certain things, especially if you're a firm like ours that does a lot of like similar topologies over and over and over again. Sure, and and the fact that I mean the fact that you mentioned that you know as, as we start a new project, you you look at your last project and you say, okay, what did I learn from that, and let me you know revise some things, and that often ends up uh, resulting in you know a lot of copy paste, a lot of just on the fly modifications, and and so you know if you take a step back and you think proactively, what are our goals as a firm, and what can we uh, do in advance to actually uh, you know prepare for some of the, some of the things that we're going to be accomplishing on the next project and and absolutely uh, you know creating a, a, a structured data set and and being able to leverage I mean we're seeing in a lot of uh, a lot of you know software packages out there that are actually starting to do this right they're actually saying okay well based on your last 100 projects of this typology the size um, you know even to the extent of starting to do some of the work for you which gets into this whole conversation about you know well is automation taking our jobs away? <laughs> and, um, that's but a, that's coming whether we like it or not. Exactly. That's coming. Yeah. And, that, and, and, you know, I was mentioning earlier that, uh, you know, I even built my career on that, right? So there's build, it's building some jobs, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, and it, it's, it's just a matter of how, um, how we can uh, position ourselves within the industry uh, to provide end value to the clients, which at the end of the day, they want a building. They're not necessarily wanting a sheet of drawings, right? So yeah. uh, how we get there is the story that we need to write. Right. And architects have traditionally been afraid of that, of the of the change in the profession, right? And so we see architects all the time complaining about that they've lost control of the process. They've given the control away over yeah. the years. Yeah. They haven't lost it. They've given it away. And this next change is going to make it even more difficult to do what we do if we don't grab it and take control of it. You know, because those te that technology is coming whether we like it or not. It's going to automate the rest of the world. It's going to automate architecture and construction as well. And if we're not at the head of it, we're going to be obsolete. Yeah, uh, projects are driven by technology. That's a fact. It's the only way we deliver our projects. And those yeah. that don't embrace that are going to lose. Right, right. And they can complain about it, but it's not <laughs> going to change the fact that it's coming. Yeah. And, and if you don't be part of it, then you're going to, to, to not be part of it. Yeah. Bill, I wanted to thank you again. Yep. For, uh, for letting us hang out here. We have one more guest that we're going to wrap up here with. Um, but uh, the Big Red A is a big supporter of what we're doing individually as architects, um, big supporter of our podcasts and, and helping to get our message out to the profession and the rest of the world. We'll uh, always so, have a table for you guys ready. Well, we appreciate it. So thank you very much for, for uh, hanging out with us and talking a little bit and letting us uh, take up some of your table space here. Arcat.com, right? Arcat.com. Arcat.com. A R C A T. Thank you, guys. Yeah, you're welcome. And Lucas, thanks for uh, hanging out with us for a little while. And, Absolutely. And uh, teaching us what we need to know about the future. Actually, 060.io. 060.io, trimbleconsulting.com. Okay. Uh, and uh, at Lucas Reams on Twitter. Yeah. Lucas, if you're interested, you can hang out because I think the next guest, we can talk about the future of architecture because he's very interested. It's Demetrius Lynch from Spaces Podcast. Um, fellow Cal Poly alum. Yeah, I think one I think there might be a, an interesting conversation. And Bill, you're welcome to hang out too students. if you want. But we're going to need the mic, and so we can pass mics around if you want to want to hang out. All right, we have our final guest here as we're wrapping up. Our, best for last. The R cast. <laughs> and so, uh, Lucas, you are, well, how do you say your last? Reams. Lucas Reams. This is Demetrius Lynch, Spaces Podcast. Yep. I wanted to bring you on here because you 
talk about the future of architecture, and you're passionate about the future of arch uh, architecture. Yeah, in a um, sense. Yeah, and so I wanted to um, to sort of have a conversation as we wrap up here uh, with the Arcast of where do we think this place is going? We were just having a conversation about AI and machine learning and how that's going to change the way architecture is being uh, delivered and built, and that if you're not part of that scenario, that you're going to have a very difficult time being an architect in the future. And so, uh, what are your, some of your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I definitely think there will be um, a, a learning curve and difficulties if you don't jump on board uh, sooner rather than later. Um, I, I think it's definitely going to be the future, and as far as the AI portion of it, it's a uh, I see it more as a benefit to to the practice, um, a good tool that we'll be able to use um, as opposed to, you know, being afraid of it, yeah. uh, taking over our industry. I think it'll be a great tool that'll free you up to actually focus on the passionate part of it, creating the space and being more creative and um, not necessarily being bogged down with all the kind of minutia work <laughs> that yeah. we have to do. So Lance, you guys over at F9, you're, you know, I'm a, I'm, I listen to every episode you guys do. So I hear your, your executive meetings with, with Al, um, and you're constantly talking about, you know, you want to stay up with the future, that you want to continue to push what what F9 is doing and the and the technology that's being brought to you. What are you guys doing in in the future? Uh, with where architecture is going. Well, the you know, as as you know, because you listen to every episode, we're we're building a new office, so we have a shop space, two story shop space, and the first two pieces of machinery I want to buy is a CN a, a commercial level CNC machine, and a three D printer, and I and our and a, a couple of our uh, employees have are, you know they want to start a furniture company, and you know we're such stewards of entrepreneurial uh, like helping foster entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs in our firm. Such that, like, yeah, if you want to branch off and we come to an agreement about, like, this is a partnership and you yeah. get to have the space. So they want to do a furniture company. And I think it'd be great. Uh, just be another thing to diversify for. So I want to get those two pieces of machinery because I want to be an expert in how they operate, how they work. Um, and then I've been asking everybody. Lucas knows he's already been on my podcast uh, today. And Demetrius is going to be on next after you. And I'm, I've asked them, you know, where do you see... Do you see 3D printing and stuff like that being adopted more? And would that what does that mean for the architecture community? Does that mean we become master builders? Does it mean that we? Um, some people have said maybe it, maybe it means that you can rapidly prototype a crazy curvy facade or something, and kind and have it ready for you in the meeting with the contractor and say, look, no, you you can build it, and here's how you do it. It's a mock-up, stuff like that. So. We're just always looking for that next thing. Um, like Upcodes is a good example. I yeah. think you heard about that from Alex. Well, I just went and talked to them, and I just thanked them for doing that. Because I and somebody else on the podcast earlier today was talking about, oh, I think it was Bob, Bob uh, Wygant from Sumex. He said, um, I'm not so sure that you're ever going to automate architects because we're artists. Yeah, and we need, And we need, like, we're here to be creative and solve problems and, like, you know that's something humans you can't take away from humans. Yeah. Um, we need that to happen. But on the uh, flip side of that, could you could you write a script to where it yeah. engineers your whole building? We're yeah. done with the engineer. I don't right. have to worry about and him that's not calling me. That's what we're just talking about. <laughs> is that, that that's technology, what I want. Yeah. Technology can take our jobs if we let it. Yeah. It can. You know, and and we didn't even touch we didn't even touch on on three D printing. 
you know, and, and the future of that. But I think the engineering part of that is Exciting. even more possible to be automated because it's already just calculations and that can be plugged yeah. into a system that could figure it out pretty quickly. As far as the creative part, I think it's a little yeah. bit harder to automate. Lucas, <laughs> are, are you seeing that? Because you, you talk to these guys who are sort of have these big ideas and, and want to sort of pursue those things. Are you seeing that happening? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's interesting because you could say, uh, can you automate a building? I mean, the short answer is yes, but then the long answer is the building process is complex and has a lot of people involved. So sometimes even though you can, let's say, snap your fingers and all the work is done, somebody may say, well, you know, hold on, I actually need to go through the process of, you know, going through design iterations. What does that mean? So it's, you know, let's, if you, once you start to open it up a bit, then there's more to it than can you do it? Yeah. Short right. answer is yes, we can, but how right. we do it? I mean, it is today cool. we can design buildings without architects. They're called engineered buildings, right? Yeah. I mean, and you get what you get when you have an engineered building. You don't have architecture, you know, in, in the sense of what we're 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 hoping architecture. Right, and is. then you have people like Earl Parson, who we just we just had on, where he's taken that form but added the creativity to it right. and now made right. a beautiful structure. So yeah, I don't think you. That, I've asked this, I've asked that question about ten times so far, and I'll ask it probably two more times now because I have Demetrius and Nick on next, and uh, the perspective has been really interesting, and I because I want to dig deep into that of like where do you guys really think we're going with it because it, I think we're on the cusp of it. Yeah. I mean, I was just in the technology section over at the expo floor, and there's a lot of there's a lot of machines that people are selling, and they look cool, and um, you know, I I would like to have a little bit more control on the job site with, with some of the things we're doing. And then one other one, another example is like, okay, think about drywall. We're putting up drywall. Well, there's, have you, have you, has anybody seen the the, um, the video going around? It's pretty viral. It's like this robot in yeah. Japan. Yeah. 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 yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it looks cool. It's like, okay, now they're just going to install right. drywall. And the robotic mason that's yeah. building the brick walls. Yeah, I think it's like 3,000 bricks per day yeah. as opposed to like a few hundred right. bricks per day for human. Um, yeah, they, it can rapidly change. And I, I think I'm more excited about the automation, the technology for, on the construction side. Um, and whenever it gets to really taking over or really having an impact for us, I think it'll be more uh, time saving for us um, and not necessarily taking us over. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, at Spaces Podcast, yeah. you are doing a lot of storytelling. Yes. Right. And yes. so, and a, a lot of the focus of some of the stories that you're telling, um, you go back in history, yep. sort of, in order to talk about the thing that you want to talk about in the present and the future. You're going back and sort of uh, talking about uh, the his history of, of those those kind of things. Um, what are some of the topics that are coming to Spaces Podcast? Because you sort of you've taken a little break yep. in order to sort of focus on what the next level of Spaces Podcast is going to be. And so you want to talk a little bit about Spaces Podcast and some of the other things you're planning? Yes. Yeah, so uh, in general, Spaces is about um, what, what we're trying to do is tell the story of architecture because we do a great job talking to each other about architecture. Uh, but the general public, I don't think, gets a full understanding of what we're doing. So we're trying to uh, spin it a little bit so have that architectural education for people that are in the industry, but at the same time telling a story to the general public uh, to try and bring them along and, and educate them, um, help them understand not only how spaces go together, but the, what you get out of 
well-designed, well-built spaces. So we give that historical reference, tying it into things that happen throughout society, um, history, and uh, to society, and all the different things of how government played a role, how um, finance or the economy played a role, and then we kind of come forward to the future and discuss what's on the cusp, what's coming up, like the robots laying out drywall or the um, or brick or whatever the case is. Um, talked with a, a company that has a treadmill and other fitness equipment that generates electricity. Um, and what, what are the possibilities of that if you have an entire gym like a LA Fitness that's generating electricity from everybody that's using it? Um, we talked about all the different forms of housing, multifamily housing, single-family housing, uh, all the different elements of that. Um, this, so we've taken this break to kind of refocus and restructure a few things, but coming back and we're going to start with a, a look at architecture and give uh, sort of a, uh, what do you call it, state of the union <laughs> for architecture, looking at sort of a global uh, scene of design and design theory. Then we're going to come down and look at the small business, the large firm, and then look into the future of other options for architects, other ways to address and solve issues through a podcast, through uh, books, and um, all the other things that you can do. Um, and then we have tons of other topics. We're going to talk about cannabis facilities, which was a fun one. Uh, we focused in on uh, the Space Needle, so we, we, we touch a lot of different things. Yeah, if, I, if anything you're interested in, you can probably yeah. find an episode you'll like. I, I love that that we have all these different podcasts that we're all and, and that we're, that there's some overlap, you know, in the fact that it's architecture and we're talking about architecture. Um, but they're all so unique as well, you know, that, that Arcaspeak is sort of about architecture in a very broad sense, that it's about the architectural profession and, and the, the real world of living in and being an architect. You guys, it's like sitting, or you guys, I'm pointing at you as if everybody knows yeah, who I'm talking out. about. So you guys at, at, at F9 Productions doing the Inside the Firm podcast, uh, it's like a, a weekly uh, uh, visit into your executive meeting. Like you and Al are sitting down to talk about your firm and what's happening this week and what's going to happen next week, you know, and you just turn on the mics and start talking about it. And that's so valuable to the profession to sort of see what you're doing and how you're doing it. Um, and Spaces podcast sort of looking at the history of architecture and how it's affecting the future of architecture. And our podcast at Entree Architect sort of focusing in on, on business and leadership and sort of living the life of an architect from a small firm per perspective, because there's you know, family integration and firm integration and how do you make your living sort of being a dad and yeah. being an architect because that's reality at small firms. Yeah. And so all these different uh, ways of doing a podcast is so interesting. And yeah. Well, I mean, I'm glad you brought up yours. Obviously, we're going to, but, I, you know, I would like to publicly thank you for doing what you do. It's been uh, an honor to get to know you. I think, I'll, you know, you've influenced so many people. Um, there's no, you know, your your group keeps growing like crazy. And one of the coolest things I've heard so far, I interviewed Earl earlier today, Earl Parson, and he said, I was just listening to Mark in my ear after I got laid off. <laughs> and I got, and I heard over and over again this word, entree architect. So just by putting that word out there, yeah. I think you're helping to reshape. And I really appreciate that as a, as a serial entrepreneur and a big C capitalist that like, let's put 
being entrepreneur into the architecture profession because and all the guests we've had on today have been incredible i yeah. mean we've got like these tech entrepreneurs and the stuff they're doing i'm just blown away and how they're and every single time there's like oh, we're all solving different problems or talking about different problems and how we solve them but these tech guys it's so amazing and i just giggle inside when they're like they talk about why they did it it's because they hated that task yeah they wanted to automate it right mm -hmm. and and make it easier and for that's the essence of the of the entrepreneur yeah. right is that you solve the problem absolutely and, and we were saying before, you know, the definition of entrepreneur architect is up to you. You know, that whether you, you feel that you, uh, the definition of entrepreneur, whether it's somebody who's just out there to make a lot of money or you're out there to change the world, those are both entrepreneurs. Um, and that we're, as, you know, we're already architects, we've been trained as architects, and so it's a mindset of whether you're an entrepreneur architect or you're just an architect. And so uh, thank you for, for your kind words, I appreciate yeah. that. Um, Lucas, you were you were about to say something. I, I was just going to say, from a, a listener's perspective, I've I've heard everybody's podcast here, and you know, just the fact that you're taking advantage of the platform, but then in addition to that, being authentic and transparent, you know, I see that from everybody, and uh, it's just something that I think the community sees. Um, so I would, you know, speaking on behalf of the community, it's much appreciated. Thank you. Well, yeah, and think about like, okay, before Mark had his podcast, or I had mine, and and, and everybody, and and. Like I feel like the profession was really closed up. I yeah. mean, that's yeah. one of the things you try to push. Over that was and a over major mission of mine. Yep, was let's share. You know, let's share because there's there's plenty of work for us. You know, for it to go around. I think that was the big scare and everything. So, you know, I think it's a really incredible time to be doing all the. You know, to be involved in this community and learning and listening and everybody's growing and doing cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the more we share, the more we're going to all grow. You know, so that's been a major part of what, what you know, personally, why I, you know, uh, started what I wanted to start. Because I wanted to share everything I knew, but I wanted to inspire the rest of the profession to do the same thing. And I think that within the community that has happened. I think that we're starting to change the profession individually by, you know, we're all individually sharing. And that culture is shifting. And that will permeate through the rest of the profession, whether they like it or not, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah that, that uh, you know, the small firms are sharing among yeah. themselves and that we're not waiting for the AIA and the larger firms to tell us how it's going to be done. We're doing it ourselves and we're figuring it out ourselves and we're going to share that knowledge with one another. And I think people are clamoring for that. Yeah. Uh, it's just sitting in on all of these sessions this, this week, it, there's like a palpable desire for this collaboration and, um, you know, to start to move the needle in a different direction. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's... I think it's generational, too. I think yeah. society, if you look beyond architecture, society are, is becoming more entrepreneurial, that becoming more sharing. You know, that, that you know, in other uh, industries, you're seeing that happening where we're trying to share with one another. Even... Go ahead. Oh, absolutely. My <laughs> related story about that sharing and, like, the demographics. So we're, us three on this side are millennials, right? And uh, my wife is... What are you is, saying? <laughs> <laughs> You're a sage. Uh, so we, my wife is selling our condos in our development. And, and Alex and I knew who we were designing for the whole time. It was millennials yeah. who have their crap together and could buy a house. Um, or in this case, a townhome, right? And so she didn't believe us, you know, and whatever. And, but, yep, everybody we've sold to is late 20s, early 30s. They are professionals. They have their stuff together. And they like urban living because mm -hmm. it's an urban urban infill development. And so she she brings this last couple up to the rooftop, and they say uh, the the one guy is just so impressed, and he's like, 
So did the architects try to create this shared experience with everybody up here? Because there's no walls and you can yeah. like, all the rooftops can talk to each other. Yeah. She goes, yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Did, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's real. I think it is. And, and, and uh, I, I think that overall, I think society is shifting. Uh, and I think it's, you know, it comes and goes. You know, it's all waves. And I think we're moving into a, a, a period of, of history where we are more collaborative and more sharing and more open and more kind. I think that's something, too, that's shifting, that, that we're not as aggressive as time is shifting. And you see politics. Politics is, is rough right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I think as a reaction to that, individually, we're becoming more caring with one another uh, because you, you, you're sort of responding to that outside aggression. And this could go in a very different direction. <laughs> so, we, I, and we're we're at the end of our our uh, our time here. But um, but I think we are being more kind. And that's when I say love, learn, share, which is how I end up every episode, because that's the essence of what I want the world to do. I want the world to care for one another, and I want our community to care for one another. I want us to to learn as much as we can possibly learn individually, and then share that with everybody else. Because if we all do that, then we all benefit. And so. If we can do that individually, I think society, you know, will will, will follow. So, so I think uh, if you guys want to get uh, Cormac and and uh, and Evan, and we can wrap up uh, our our show here. Cool. Yeah. Thanks uh, for Lucas, being on, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Mark. I didn't Demetrius. get to say thank you <laughs> in the beginning. You jumped right in. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so thank uh, you for before you, before you hang up the mic, yeah. how do we sort of connect with you? Oh, uh, yeah. So you can find us Spaces Podcast www.spaces podcast.com um, if you want to check out my business my architectural side it's uh, house of lines and lines is spelled l-y-n-e-s houseoflines.com and all, right. all the information is connected through those two sites very cool alright thanks all right. for hanging out with us thanks Mark alright let's, let's get Thank Evan you. and Cormac back in the seats and uh, let's put a bow on this baby here we are boys back. i'm tired how about back you guys where we started yeah yeah so we're back with the four of us Ooh, the um, seat's warm. my son ate my hamburger <laughs> 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 I told him he could eat the fries he ate the whole thing there you go i was watching him i thought it was his <laughs> so i i uh this uh, i think this has been really valuable i think that bringing nice. the three podcasts together um, has been great, and and first I want to thank uh, Casey and Bill at RCAT yep. for uh, introducing the idea to us. They were the ones that brought this idea to us, um, and and the fact that the three of us, the three podcasts, could come together uh, and do a show where we bring in other people who are doing pretty cool things in the profession and have a great conversation. I think it, it worked out pretty well. I was a little nervous on on how it was going to work in terms of overlapping all these different people but we're architects um, and we figured it out yeah we exactly did. we did I, I i thought it was really cool how it was organic and we would pinch hit and go around and go get lunch or whatever and yeah. Come back. yeah and mark nice. had the brilliant idea of overlapping the guests yeah that was, that was on the fantastic. fly <laughs> the first guest came and the second guest was up and we're like all right we're gonna do this we're yeah, gonna sit down and great. we'll just do one continuous well, thing. you know cool. it was great too because i mean a lot of them had a lot of intertwining yeah. you know things to talk about that you know just kind of showed the future of the of the practice which i thought was fantastic yep yeah yep so it, i think that the audio from this is i mean we're going to share it among all the the podcasts 
but maybe we can wrap up just by talking a little bit about each of our podcasts uh, because it'll be on the other shows. And so maybe we do a little pitch of our own and uh, talk about how the podcasts are set up and, and how people can listen. So Lance, you want to start? Sure. Uh, we are on all the major platforms. So you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, um, SoundCloud is, is one of our main platforms too. A lot of, we have a lot of SoundCloud listeners. Uh, we're just thankful for your support, your uh, the uh, Mark's support, Evan's support, um, Arcus, everybody in the community has been fantastic, um, and our growth has been amazing. And we're just here to, to. But the most rewarding part about it is honestly, I I, I went through and looked through our uh, iTunes reviews lately, and there's 64 of them. We have an excellent rating. I want to thank everybody for that. But like. The, the things people are saying to us are really amazing. Like, that's the best reward. Yeah. Yep. Um, Agreed. You know, one person came in and they said, like, hey, I, I quit my job. I'm going to start my own firm now because you guys. I'm because like, of you guys. Yeah, right. Great. It's yeah. your fault. Yeah. You're like, whoa, too much pressure. I like, too much I like pressure. how you're looking at that as glass half full right there. That was, yeah, that, that that was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and so that's been the coolest part. You know, some people also have said, like, when I had Lucas on, he was like, hey, we took your advice. And there was a project that was trending in town, and we, um, we, if it wasn't for, he said, if it wasn't for us um, being twelve hours late, we would have been front page, we would have been on the news, it would have worked like that kind of marketing strategy, like that gra- grass level thing. Yeah. So just stuff like that. Like I, I'm just here to, as you know, like help foster more entrepreneurs, yep. more more people that are interested in, in in just doing their passion and making money doing it. And living a happy life because yeah. happiness is everything. So. Yeah. Yeah. You do and better work when you're happy, right? So it's yeah. Inside the Firm Podcast. InsideTheFirmPodcast.com is the website. Uh, find us on iTunes and leave us a review. All right. Inside cool. the Firm. And what about you guys, Arca Speak? Well, before we get into Evan talking about us. Me. I'm going to make him do it instead <laughs> of me. Um, what, you know, I, I was, I've been reflecting on the fact that, like, you know, we're sort of the old timers of architecture. I don't know how that happened, Corbin. <laughs> but but there's so many architectural podcasts out there and it's fantastic. I absolutely yep. love that because we're all talking about the passion that yep. we bring to this profession and that everybody has a voice and that there's no single voice that's, you know, above the others the and voice that there's of no, architecture. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and there's it, there's it room for many more. It shows the the generations. And it's just so fantastic to actually see that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and this is a great place for that to happen, like to to see each other in person. Yeah, yeah, and and just talk about and and be like just it, it's nice to tell people that I appreciate your show. Right. I, I like Absolutely. to tell other people that, and I I hope that uh, I hope that that sentiment is out there be, right. that that people our listeners understand that. I don't see this as a competitive. Thing at all? Yeah, no. I mean, not this at all. is yeah. really about sharing experiences, right? And if people gravitate to one more than the other, perfect. Yeah, right? and because that's one I of the reasons why we wanted to do this, yeah. Yeah. so I, we I, can come together it, and it feel, share. It, it honestly feels like it's kind of like this, like audio mentoring, you know, across the entire country. And I mean, and it's just like everybody has a voice, and it's just it's so cool that you know everybody's unique experience is helping enrich the damn you know profession. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, so Arcuspeak podcast. Uh, we're in our seventh year, yep, and yep. we're doing a season about technology and how it's changing the profession of architecture. I think we talked about a lot of that today, yeah. Uh, and uh, and and you can find us at arcuspeakpodcast.com, and you can find us on Twitter at arcuspeak without the uh, the e and the a, right? A R C H I S P K. Arcuspeak. Yep. Um, 
and that, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. So I want to thank you guys for not only doing this show, but for doing what you do every week uh, on the podcast. Because I think that, like I said before, we're all doing individual different things, and you're an inspiration to not only me but to the rest of the profession. Um, the the fact that you guys have have sort of opened up the world of architecture to not only architects but to non-architects yeah. that you talk about all these different th ideas and concepts of being an architect and to have that weekly you know business meeting with your partner uh is so enlightening to sort of see what yeah, you guys absolutely. are doing and 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 not only that you're sort of you're very inspirational as as architects that you you keep pushing the limits of what architects are and what they do and so to be, have that inside knowledge of what you're doing uh, is very inspirational to have have others have that access. So I appreciate, uh, Lance, what you and Al are doing, and I appreciate what, what uh, Neil and Carmick and Evan are doing at Arcade Speak. And actually, and we all appreciate what you and Sarah are doing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. At Entree right. Architect Podcast. Right. And Sarah's going to have some, some work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of cutting time. Uh, Sarah Rowe, my <laughs> podcast producer. So thank you, Sarah. Um, yeah, so I'd, for me, it's EntreeArchitect.com. Uh, we do a podcast. We do. We used to do a blog. Blog's still there if you want to search for it. We don't write very much anymore. It's all podcast. Maybe a YouTube channel in the future. Sweet. Um, do it. I'm in the process of moving from New York to North Carolina, and so that's my focus right now is trying to get down <laughs> to North Carolina. Um, but I was talking to some of the people earlier today that that I have really big plans uh, for not only Arch Entree Architect but some other things that are going to become bigger than Entree Architect. And Arch Entree Architect is going to uh, sort of be a piece of and uh in the future we're going to start talking about that um awesome. and this, that's for me super exciting i'm really excited about what these big plans are um and uh and so listen to the podcast at entrearchitect.com uh, entree architect podcast and you'll be able to hear the whole story about what we're going to do not awesome. only me as an architect in my transition to north carolina and the renovation that i'm going to have on this new house but just sort of the evolution of Entree Architect and what's, yeah. uh, what we have planned in, in the future for small firms. So Cool. I think thanks that's, for tuning in, everybody. Yeah, yeah thanks. Awesome. Appreciate it. I think that's a wrap. So See you next time. See ya. Thanks. So there you go. The 2019 RCAST live from the Las Vegas Expo floor, the AIA Expo floor in Las Vegas. Thanks uh, for listening here to the end. I really enjoyed partnering up with Lance and Evan and Cormac. If you haven't subscribed to their podcast yet, I highly recommend that you do. ArcaSpeakPodcast.com and InsideTheFirmPodcast.com. Two great shows. Both shows are in my queue, and I don't miss a single episode of either, episode, uh, either show. Um, great content, really fun to listen to. Uh, and they both, um, the guys at ArcaSpeak and the guys at Inside the Firm, both sharing so much knowledge with the profession. So I thank them. I thank everybody uh, who's involved with those shows. Uh, thank you. And thank you also to everyone who joined us for the Arcast, uh, the guests that we had. Uh, thank you for sharing your knowledge with the Entree Architect community. Um, it, was, uh, it was so much fun hanging out and learning uh, from all these different people. So... I hope you enjoyed the last three uh, episodes here, the three parts of this live expo floor. If you like it, maybe we'll do it again next year in Los Angeles, Los Angeles. That's where the next expo is going to be. Uh, so maybe we'll see you again over on the West Coast. So 
Hey, before we go, I want to remind you, this is important. Listen up. I want to remind you to take a look at the Entree Architect Build Your Brand Marketing Workshop. You know, this, this recession is coming. The downturn is coming. Uh, building a marketing system is a crucial step in building a strong, sustainable business. Referrals and word of mouth are not going to push you through when the economic uh, downturn starts to happen. It's just not going to happen. Uh, you see firms collapse during this time. Only a strong brand and a marketing system that will keep your sales pipeline full will let you thrive when others are struggling to survive. So registration for the Entree Architect Build Your Brand Workshop, it closes today, today, tonight at midnight, 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, June 28th, 2019, midnight. That's the the end of registration. So if you don't get in before then, you're not going to get in. This is your last chance. This is your last call. This workshop will not be available again until 2020. And who knows what's going to happen uh, next year, what, what next year will bring in terms of the economy. So now, right now is the time to build your brand. Now is the time to establish your powerful marketing system for your firm. You need to do this right now. See all the details for the workshop and enroll right now at entrearchitect.com slash build your brand. That's entrearchitect.com slash build your brand. If you're an entrepreneur architect who runs or owns your small firm, then you're an Entree Architect. And I encourage you to go build a better business, build a strong, powerful brand so that you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. We'll see you in the next episode. I hope to see you at the workshop. EntreeArchitect.com slash build your brand. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it guys.
the one that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.